I've believed that Vector is a vehicle for pursuing one's dreams. And for some people, that vehicle will take them from point A to point B. And for some people, it'll take them through many, many seasons and many experiences. It's never my life fits into Cutco Vector. It's always that Vector is serving my life and I'm serving Cutco Vector. The reason I sell Cutco is to give me leverage to contribute to other people. Leverage to support other people in what matters to them. That's what life is about. Life is about making a difference. Life is about making things better. For me, that's the glue that keeps me here and keeps me loving being here. If you're in the Cutco Vector Marketing sales organization, you probably know that voice and you love him. He's Jeffrey Paul Bobrick, simply known to most of us as JPB. JPB has spent 20 years in the Cutco Vector business as a top sales rep and mentor to many. He's one of the highest producers in Northeast region history and a member of the company's Hall of Fame. He's also a Billboard award-winning singer and songwriter who is living his dream in New York City. I know you'll love this conversation, which is full of poignant stories and powerful insights. Let's get to it with JPB. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. I am super excited about today's podcast guest. I have Jeffrey Paul Bobrick here with me today. He has spent 20 years in the Cutco business as a sales rep and as a mentor to many. One of the top performers in Northeast region history with $2.8 million in sales. Of course, a member of the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame. And he's done that all on a part-time basis while pursuing his music career as well as other interests. Just in the last couple of years, JPB, as we like to call him, has sold over $300,000 virtually. Uh, he has about a $1,000 average order on virtual demos. He's been the CSP development coordinator for the Northeast region for many years and has mentored many people throughout the company, including 16 college scholarship winners, multiple Hall of Fame members, and seven Silver Cup champions. Very notable among JPB's mentees would be people like Aviva Bennett Tribush and also Kip Manjira, the late great Kip that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about today. JPB is a graduate of Sarah Lawrence College. He's also been trained in acting and theater at 
the British American Drama Academy in London. He is a Billboard award-winning singer and songwriter living his dream in New York City. And he also gives back through his own nonprofit, which has created more than 100 scholarships for deserving kids to go to summer camps, as well as through other organizations he supports. He is one of the most beloved figures in the Cutco Sales Organization, JPB. It's about time. Welcome to the podcast. Dan, thank you. It's an honor to be here talking to one of the most beloved figures in our organization. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that as well. Let's talk about you, man. Take us back to 2001. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with Cutco. Wow. Um, Well, I started in a unique time. And there were things that happened that week that were very special, both good and bad. So when I go back to that time, I remember I was I was looking for something. I didn't know that I was looking for for Vector and Cutco, but I was looking for something that I could do that would pay money and uh, that would be have flexible hours and so on and so forth. And uh, I had gotten another job, like a job, like a not a position. I'd gotten a job, and I didn't love it. I hadn't started it yet. I was it started in two weeks. So I so I had these two weeks. So I didn't stop looking. I was like, well, I have this. Great. Awesome. It'd be fine if I, you know, I can do that. It pays. It's fine. So I said, I'm going to keep looking. And if I find something better in two weeks, I'll do that. And if I don't, then I have this. So I was in a very good position, I felt. And yeah. I, went to, I went to an interview and it was a group interview and it was run by Joe Gianelli. Joey G. Joe Gianelli. Yeah. And uh, he was great. And I remember it really well because I was impressed. And he took out in the interview, which uh, doesn't exist in all the interviews, but it existed in this one, the fisherman's solution. And he took out the fisherman's solution and he showed the, the extendable blade. And I thought, that is genius. That is amazing. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's such a great product. So I was just really excited. I was really can hear even right now. Like I'm like, huh, I was so excited. I was so excited. And then I had the one-on-one with with Joey G. And he said, Well, he looked up at me and he just looked down, looked up, said, You have charisma. That's what he said to me. Do you have charisma? And uh, I want to offer you the position. Congratulations. And I was happy and I said, Great. And then we spoke about when I was going to start and I was contracted on September 6th, 2001. Yes. And that was a significant date in my life. And we know what's coming soon. On September 7th, 2001, for those of you who know me at all, they know I'm a great lover of Michael Jackson. I had this extraordinary experience, which uh, is its own story, in which I almost magically, through a, a power of intention, met Michael Jackson on September 7th spoke with him for about five minutes. So I had these great things going on. I had this new position. I didn't have to take this other job that I didn't really like that much. I was excited about the training. I met Michael Jackson. He was so generous and genial, which I never thought would be a word I would associate with him, but genial. And then on September 10th, I went to the second of two concerts that he was performing and which he was performing. Mm-hmm. And I woke up during my fast start. Right. And it was, there were the attacks 
on on the World Trade Center. There were the attacks yeah. in New York City. Crazy. So I, I went, which was a Tuesday Tuesday morning, and and the team meeting was Wednesday, which happened, and I went from this kind of wonderful elation of all these great things to what we all experienced, which was this terrible tragedy or incident event that one cannot even begin to comprehend. And I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Manhattan. I had friends in that building. I had a friend in that building and a neighbor in that building. And my friend survived and my neighbor died. Wow. Wow. Powerful. It was terrible. It was powerful and it was horrific. And in New York City, you could smell it for, I mean, two months. It was literally in the air. And I have since, I have many clients who are first responders, who are heroes, who saved lives that day. Yeah. But I remember, Dan, I remember very well calling in for PDI on Wednesday morning and being told, yeah, we're having a team meeting. I said, okay, well, I'll be there. And I went and we, we were dealing with this together because the team meeting and, and the office and Joe, these were huge influences on my life, dealing with the attack and then dealing with our response to it in our small way in New York as an office, which I can share if, if you'd like. Yeah, I remember the Manhattan team like writhing during that fall in a way that was surprising to people, but was inspiring to everyone because of what we knew had happened there. And uh, it's, it's cool that you were a part of that. It was your, your initial roots in the Cutco business were during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And we as an office, we felt strongly as an office, collectively as a team. And even though I was new to that team, that was the energy. This was a terrible tragedy. And there are people who are doing so much to make life better for people. Let's do what we can do to make life better for people. And Joe spoke very beautifully and inspiringly. And he said, I, he said, this is New York. Nobody's expecting us to do anything this week. But we are going to show them. We are going to inspire people. And we're going to show people what New York is about and what this team is about and what Cutco is about. And you know, he said, people need to know that life goes on. And people need to know in the face of this that it's okay. And people are scared and people are lonely. And we, we're going to go over, we're going to have, you know, we had a phone jam, right? We're going to make these calls. We're going to get our appointments and we're going to show them a great American product. It was like amazing. And, and yeah. I, I, we were on board hundred percent. And we were the uh, number five office in the nation the week of that attack. And we went on as an office to win the silver cup in 2001 and repeat in 2002. And it was an incredible way to start selling Cutco. That's yeah. how it started. Amazing. So cool. And so you sold part-time around school your first few years, right? Yeah, I was studying and I just wanted enough money to kind of get by. I went to a very, very expensive school. I didn't at that time have hope for graduating debt-free like so many people. I didn't know anything about any of that. I had no orientation. So much of my 
vector experience was learning more about the real world. I didn't really have that orientation. I just wanted enough money to be able to pay some bills and not get in too deep of a hole by the time I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that was my but goal. You only worked during the school year though, right? Yeah, that's correct. So I worked as a counselor at a creative and performing arts summer camp in the summers, my first couple of summers. And it was very dear to my heart and I loved it. And that's, I had gone to the summer camp. It is one of the transformative experiences of my life going there. And uh, the nonprofit that I, that I founded sends kids to that camp on scholarship. And so it was very important to me, very special to me. So I would leave during the Vector summer. I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, and it wasn't until I think maybe 04 that I had a, a true Vector summer. And I said, oh, this is that. This is that thing. This is that thing. Ah. And so what made you stick with Cutco after college? I think to some extent, it's the same things that keep me here even now. Certainly the income potential was a part of it. But if it was only that, absolutely, it wouldn't have been enough. Certainly, I believe in Cutco. I love the product. I love the people who make the product. I love my clients who get and use and enjoy the product. So it's that side of it. But I mean, going back, let me just go back. I had good friends. I enjoyed those people. I felt I was growing a lot and learning things that I wasn't learning otherwise. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing was that it worked for me on a practical level. I was pursuing acting. I was going on tour. I was doing all these other things. And so if I was going on a national tour, I could come back and just get back to selling Cutco. And I was always embraced. And it was always like, hey, Joe had this great attitude. Welcome back, JPB. And then, you know, and I would get real humble and I'd go field training again with a, with a rep who had sold a lot less than I had, but I hadn't sold in four months or six months or whatever it was. So the flexibility, income opportunity, and all the other things that we know and love, people, programs, products. Yeah. Why has the CSP role been such a great fit for you in your life since then? I do believe that it is the, for me, certainly the ability to continue to grow and develop, but more so the leverage to support other people's growth and development. I came up with what I consider like the best of old school vector, which was you are a field sales manager. You are an FSM. You are a manager in the field. And I always, from the start, appreciated those who contributed to me and wanted to give back in the same way in return. So I really think what's kept me so engaged is the for me, oftentimes, the reason I sell Cutco is to give me leverage to contribute to other people. Mm -hmm. And whether that is contributing to people through them owning the product, which that certainly is true. And there's a whole amount of contribution to be found there. But even more so for me, at least, it's leverage to support other people in what matters to them. I've always believed in that. I've believed that Vector is a vehicle for pursuing one's dreams. And for some people, that vehicle will take them from point A to point B. And for some people, it'll take them through many, many seasons and many experiences, and so to speak, through the whole alphabet. Through, through it all. So for me, just 
seeing what people want and helping them get it and having Cutco be that vehicle and having me be somebody who can, in any way I possibly can, uh, make a difference for them in the same way that people have made a difference for me. I'd say that is the thing. That's, that's for me, that's the glue that keeps me here and keeps me loving being here. That's awesome to hear. And this entire time, I mean, all these years, you have, you've sold, you've mentored other people in the business, you've pursued music, acting, a variety of other things, right? So Cutco has been a piece of your life, but not necessarily like the biggest piece throughout all of these years. It's been a piece of the puzzle for you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I always have worked part-time and I still work part-time. And I say I work aggressively part-time. That's what I say. Say I work aggressively (laughs) part-time. And it's always been a piece of a puzzle where it's never my life fits into Cutco Vector. It's always that Vector is serving my life and I'm serving Cutco Vector because mm-hmm. I believe that if it's... And this is something that I, I always... I never want someone who, who sells Cutco to say, oh, I can't do something I want because I have to do this thing. When I work with you know young representatives, sometimes they say, oh, I can't see my mom because I have to do a demo. Or I can't see my you know boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And, it's, and it's, to me, it's like, what you want to do and work on what I strive to help people do is have see your mom and have an even better experience with your mom and even better experience with your your loved ones and your friends because you're doing this. So have it serve you so you can serve it. And that's where I've always come from for me. So the times that I was unhappy, which have been on occasion or less happy, have been times when I was having Cutco be the bigger picture rather than be a part of the picture. Now, when I'm doing it, pig-headed determination and focus on what I'm doing right now, which is doing a podcast right now or uh, mentoring someone or working an event or whatever it is. And then when I'm doing something else, I can put that aside and focus and be in the moment on what I'm doing. That's how I've always thought of it. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I know that you also have been very much in the forefront of helping the business to evolve over your 20 years. In your intro, we talked about how you've been the CSP development coordinator for the Northeast region. I know you've worked closely with John Kane on a variety of projects and you've been mentoring a lot of people. I'd love to hear your view on how you feel the business has evolved or improved during the course of your career. Sure. It comes, my view on this comes very much from a a rep perspective because that's, even though I speak to managers a lot and I work with a lot of managers and alongside them, I'm still coming from a rep perspective. So I always say that as some, I'm saying that as somewhat of a caveat, but how I look at it is the business for representatives has improved dramatically, I think for a couple of reasons. One is there are so many more avenues for sales at our disposal. So when I started selling Cutco, and this was what uh, so impressed me about you know someone like a John Berghoff and what he achieved working with you, always blew my mind what he did and others. But when I started, there were demos. 
that was what it was. We did demos and that was it. And in fact, I didn't even know about service calls. This is true. I did not know about service calls until 2003, meaning two years into my business. I didn't know. Nobody told me. Nobody taught it, which has inspired me to teach it. But I went to what was then called the FSM conference, and I went to a breakout with Brett Barry. And uh, it was unbelievably great. And that was a touchstone moment for me in my career because I learned how to do service calls. And he did an example of a service call. He role-played a service call at a breakout. And that was a match that started my fire on doing that and helping people do that and being of service to customers in a way I never realized I could be before. So that was amazing. So, so now we have demos and now we have service calls. So now there are two ways. Okay. Then there are events. Now, when I started in events, you know, we've heard this from other guests. It was, you show up to the event and get leads, you know, get leads. <laughs> and so I remember being taught to work events and taught to get leads. And then, of course, that evolved and we saw people start to sell at events and learn how to sell at events and make that happen. And that was very instrumental. And so then we have the events program. The events program initially was a little bit wild, wild west. Uh, for those of us who were there and working it, what I mean, it was, well, what are the good ideas? And the cream will kind of rise to the top and we'll try to figure it out as we're doing it. And we're putting stuff together, but we don't know what we're doing. And eventually things got more systematized. There was more oversight to it, but initially it was a lot of wild, wild west, and it was exciting and sometimes uh, challenging, but usually fun and certainly became very profitable. So now we have three pillars for representatives. We still have demos, new customers. We have service calls with our own past customers. And then, of course, past customers of Cutco who we meet at events or get referred to. And now you have three things. Okay. So then there is past customer marketing. That's mm -hmm. more than just doing service calls. That's a right. part of it. That's a piece of it. So then there are people who are pioneers in that. I remember going to an FSM conference in, I think it was 03 or 04 or 05, and Jamie Zimbroff gave a message, which was basically, send a letter to your customers. That was the message. And we were all like, oh my gosh, send a letter. What a good idea. Once a year, <laughs> send a letter with a catalog. Oh my goodness. So now, obviously, that's evolved. I mean, clearly there have been many pioneers, but a, a shout out to Josh Muller and Amy Muller. I mentored with Josh and Josh and Amy together, I think really, to their great credit, changed the game when it comes to past customer marketing. People had done it, but not in the way they did it, not systematized, and they really made that clear and they spread that. So yeah. now we have that. So now we have all these avenues of sales, but guess yeah. what? But wait, there's more, right? So now there's... I won't go into the detail, but there's business gifts, there's CGC. People were selling to real estate agents. Hal Elrod gave a message on selling to real estate agents when I was a reasonably new rep. And I sold to real estate agents, but it was not a program. It was not systematized. It was kind of, oh, we could do this. Let's try this, right? Then people changed the game. John Rulin changed the game. Tony Carlston changed the game. And so what you see is you see these, these people coming up and through their own ideas and trial and error and failure and success, really putting together a whole new language for how to sell 
Cutco. That happened in California right before I started with all of those people. You instrumental in that. And then it happened again and again and again and again over time. And that game continues to change. So I would say those are the ways in which the business uh, has changed and evolved in my uh, 20 years on the rep level. On the manager level, it's uh, differently complex and also very interesting. And obviously, that continues to change and evolve. These last two years, we've seen lots of ups and some downs and some pivots. And that continues to evolve. And people make changes and improvements there too. Yeah. It's cool to hear you share your perspective on this and just to, uh, in my own mind, to sort of walk through this evolution that has happened of all these different avenues for sales and the different ways of uh, producing results that have come along and, and just to see what people are doing nowadays. I mean, as we are recording this interview right now, I think I know we have one person in the company already over a million dollars in sales for this year with two more right about at a million. Maybe there's all three over a million already by now and several others with a chance to get there. And that's personal sales, one rep, right? Like that's just immense. It, think blows, about, of course, it yeah. blows your mind. Yeah, of course. Like, And Curtis JQs and Brandon Brown have both broken through that barrier already. In the past, Curtis is the guy already there this year. Deanna Scortino is going to sell a million. Rob Robinchek just sold $90,000 last week. So <laughs> crazy stuff happening, man. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And it's like the Joe Gianelli used to speak about the four-minute mile, right? You know, nobody did it. Bannister did it. Now everybody realizes that they can do it. And there's been a lot of that and a lot of desire with reps working hard, managers working hard. And oftentimes, as you know, managers and division managers and region managers pouring and working together with their top CSPs to make these things happen and to support barriers being broken. So now we can look at it and go, oh, that's not so hard. That's yeah. not impossible. Sure. Exactly. JPB, I hear you have some really cool customer stories. Could you rattle off one or two of those for us? Sure, absolutely, Dan. I'll give you two, and I'll give you one that's really happy and one that's really sad. And I think it's important. We'll talk more about this, I think, in this interview, but that's the beautiful dichotomy of life is the happy and the, and the sad and, and the give and the take. So I met this woman at an event. And she bought Cutco from me and we became Facebook friends and we stayed in touch. But she doesn't live in New York City. Although I met her at an event in New York City, she was a tourist and she visits. So we stayed in touch. And one day I get a, a text from her and she says, I'm coming to New York City to look at colleges with my son, David. And you know, I'd love to meet up. And I'm like, sure, great. Let's, you know, whatever. We plan it out. We'll have dinner and something. And I remember this really well because I was actually working a different event. And she sends me a text the, the day of our meetup. And she knows that I'm uh, working this event and we're figuring out logistics. And she says, Hey, Jeffrey, David and I want to see Hamilton. And I don't know if you can join us because I know you have your event, but we'd love to see you if you can join us. And if not, let's just get together after the show. If that's okay. And I work in the show and selling and, you know, texting. And I said, well, I would love to join you for Hamilton. I'd never seen Hamilton at that point. And I said, how much are tickets? And I go back to selling and doing my job. And, uh, 
And then she sends this text to me and she says, oh no, you'll be our guest. <laughs> nice. And I'm thinking to myself, I've spent 10 minutes with this woman in my life. <laughs> I met her at an event. She got Cutco. She loved Cutco. She and I hit it off really well. And she sees whatever I'm posting on social media. And now she is taking me to Hamilton with her son. <laughs> nice. So I go to Hamilton. We see Hamilton. It's wonderful, lovely. We then go out to a nightclub and we see Jazz and I get to know her son, David, and we have a great time. But then she literally, she pays for my Uber home. I kid you not. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I love this story because sometimes we think about rapport. Like it's one of the biggest things that we teach, especially to new reps. And we often think about rapport as something that takes time. Mm. This building rapport and taking time. And I have really learned to not see it that way. I generally see relationships as something we build over time and rapport as something that actually is established and created and established oftentimes very quickly. So this woman, her name is Ronald. I only have one Ronald on my customer list. So if you're listening, you know who you are. She's wonderful. And she's one of so many people that I have fallen in love with through what I do. And clearly, she likes me too. So it's 10 minutes. And that's the start. And then because we stay in touch, because I'm being of service to people, because I'm sending an email, because I'm doing the marketing, because this, 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 now we're building a relationship based on that initial contact, her appreciation of me, her love of the product, and on and on it goes. Mm, great story, Jeffrey. I just I love having anybody who's listening think about their ability to connect that deeply that quickly and developing that because you're great at that. And that's just uh, certainly is something that, uh, that everybody can be working on and thinking about how they can improve at. What's the sad story? Sad story. I get a call from a customer and she says, did you read the paper today? Did you see the news? I said, no. And she tells me crying about her friend who has died. And the details I'll keep between she and I, but she's my customer and her friend is my customer. And it, her friend is a referral of my customer. And I know them both. And I've been in their homes and they know me and I know them. And her friend had just died the day before. And she calls me. And I, I spoke to her for an hour and, you know, she's crying and we're talking and remembering her friend and remembering what good friends they were and what a good friend she was to her friend. And to some extent, it's a little bit of that, like the bartender effect where you can share something and there aren't going to be repercussions and you can feel safe because of that. Yeah. But to another extent, it's that same thing. It's the connection. I was just the right amount of close and just the right amount of far mm -hmm. for her to feel I'm grieving. I want to call Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And it just touched my heart. And her friend was a wonderful person. And she's a wonderful person. So when I think of my customer stories, of course, I'm happy 
when I sell a Cutco kitchen and I'm happy when people love Cutco. But what really I seem to remember the most are the personal things. Again, for me, Cutco is a vehicle towards being there for other people. And so those are two customer stories. And I'm still very close with both of these wonderful women. I love them. They're great people. And I'm honored to know them. Wow. Cool stories. I like those a lot. Tell us, uh, JPB, who have been some of the key influences on your career as you've developed? (laughs) How much time you got, Dan? Uh, (laughs) Okay. Well, there are so many and I will of necessity omit people. Certainly, my first manager, Joe Gianelli, paved the way for me. We were inducted into the Hall of Fame the same night. And oh, can I tell you a quick story about my Hall of Fame induction? Do you, is that okay? Yeah. Quick sure. story. So, my Hall of Fame induction was awesome. I loved it. My parents were there. John Kane was there. Rick Castro, who you know, inducted me. And he said something that at the time blew my mind. He said, When I think of JPB, I think confidence. And Rick Castro, for those of you who do not know him, is a imposing, macho, Puerto Rican guy with big energy and a big heart and a lot of power. And uh, I was like, you think I'm confident? <laughs> really? <laughs> Me? Me? Uh, but he said that and he spoke that into existence. And it, it was actually a small but important life-changing moment in my career when I thought of Oh, maybe I am confident. I didn't realize. I didn't have the Mm. confidence to know how confident I was. So that happened. I performed on stage at my Hall of Fame induction, and it was great. So I did something that I love, which is singing and performing. So all of these things are happening, and and Joe Gianelli is with me. And and because it's the two of us, and we both were Manhattan for all those years, I mean, you know, he more than I, but we both contributed. So many people came out of the woodwork. And you would think, Rick Castro, this, that, that would be the highlight of my Hall of Fame induction for me. But it was not. The highlight of my Hall of Fame induction was outside the big room. A rep, a former rep, who had come to be there for Joe and for me, loves us both, came up to me and he starts talking to me. And he'd had a lot of medical problems. And he looks me in the eye and he said, you know, JPB, When I was selling Cutco and I started doing it, I had been in the hospital for months. I lost all my confidence. You and Joe and others, but you and Joe, he's like, you and Joe just believed in me Mm. and you took me under your wing. And I still remember, he said, I still remember you you field training me and, and walking with me and talking and being interested in what I was going through and what I was thinking and, and my success. And he just started to cry. I'm starting to cry. He just started to cry. He's like, you and Joe. He's like, you and Joe. It's you and Joe. Wow. I I hugged him. And I was like, well, I'm glad we could be there for you. And it's, how could we not believe in you? (laughs) You're great. And he was, he, you know, he sold a lot of Cutco. He was an FSM and then he went on to other things as people do. That's Hall of Fame for me. Mm-hmm. Dan, that's, Powerful. that's Hall of Fame for me. So Joe Gianelli, certainly Rick Castro, uh, John Kane, um, 
I used to say there, there, there are now many more and there probably were then, but I used to say there are three geniuses in Cutco and they're all named John. <laughs> <laughs> right, Berghoff, Kane, Rulin. Are those there the three? There you go. There Damn. you go. <laughs> you got it. Right. Um, you know, uh, Berghoff's a, a, a genius of, uh, uh, you know, like ideas and concepts and all that. And, and Rulin is a genius of, 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 of also ideas of people and, 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 a genius of almost like of energy and understanding something. I don't, he's he's a very magical person in his in his way for sure. And John is John is a genius. John is a genius of heart. John has this incredible quality that I strive to emulate as best I can. Uh, everyone feels like he's like everyone has a special relationship with John Cade. He's everyone's brother. It's the most amazing amazing quality and so indeed, uh, indeed. Yeah. yeah that was well put yeah and there are more there are more influences i mentored with josh muller i mentored with a lot of great people i mentored with josh i mentored with um uh, jeremy Reisig. i mentored or coached with uh, a lot of people uh, uh, i have to say uh with jason jeffrey i don't even know the list curtis jq's i mentored with for three years and he he is, a, he, he's, he's, he's up there in that genius realm. I love Curtis and I understand Curtis and he always has understood me. And again, that whole thing, right? Um, it's, it's, again, it's about, uh, seek to understand. I think there's a, there's a quote that I'm not getting right now, but, uh, first to understand then to be understood. See, that's <laughs> why you're, that's why you're the host. Nowadays, there's more geniuses than just the three Johns. And there probably were then, too, because you were around <laughs> back then, too. So, ha ha. I have to say, the veteran DVMs in my region made a huge difference for me. And Earl Kelly made a huge difference for me and really epitomized the servant leader mentality. And I always have loved working with him, working for him, being a soldier in what he's doing. And that's made a big difference for me too. All of these things, all of these people made a huge difference in my life and career. I could go on for a whole show and two and three about all the people. So I, my cassette, blah, I mean, I could, but I won't. Yeah. I, I'm very grateful. Well, there's one guy definitely I want to ask you about. I know that, uh, Northeast region has had an award called the Leocati Cup for many years. It's for non-student reps, and you've won it like 40 times or some crazy record. Tell us about Gino and about uh, his impact on you. Gino. Gino Leocati. Gino. Dan. Dan. Uh, I wanted to ask you something. When you're selling Cutco now, uh, do you... Gino, that's my Gino. <laughs> Gino, uh, so when I came up in the Northeast region, we were speaking about a million dollars, right? A hundred thousand dollars was a huge deal. Only two people had done it when I started, at least at that time. I think Marvin Sheik had done it, but only two people were doing it. One was uh, Asher Abraham, and I would be remiss not to mention him early on, and uh, John Levy, who's been a guest on this podcast and is an amazing person, hugely instrumental in my beginning. But Gino Leocati was the other one who sold 100 grand. And he started selling Cutco, as, as uh, you know, and many of you listening probably know, in 1964. And he got married in 1964. And that's probably, that's like, uh, 
what could be better for a person than to meet the love of your life and meet your dream job or your dream position as he did. Gino paved a road for people. There was Jerry Otteson, there was Ed Reed, there, there were some others, but there weren't that many like that, at least not who stayed on and got as far into, you know, who are still selling here in 2021, going into 2022. So when I started, he was instrumental because of course he showed that this could be something you could do for a very long time. This is something he was semi-retired probably when I started and you could do it flexibly and, and have it be remunerative for you and work for you in your life. Uh, you know, he mm -hmm. is a husband and a father and a grandfather and a family man and all of those things. And I respect and admire all of his values and a son at the time is he took care of his mom just as I am now in some ways taking care of my mom. There's a lot to emulate. And he used to give a message on closing and on the objection cycle, and he gave it frequently. And it is still, to this day, a touchstone message for me, uh, one of the best messages I have ever heard, and I use it, and I love it. May I share one, one thing from it? Yeah, I'd love for so, you did. So for anyone listening who's you know meeting with Mrs. Jones, especially virtually or in home when you have a little bit of time, when they give an objection, he says, I totally understand, Mrs. Jones. I do buy a lot of things as well myself. And, and when I go to buy something, I ask myself three questions. And if I can't say yes to these three questions, I won't get it. So the three questions that I ask myself, and sometimes I'll get permission to explain more, depending. The three questions that I ask myself are, one, do I like it? Because if I don't like it, why would I get it? Two, can I afford it? Because I want to make sure that it works for me and fits in my budget, right? I can afford it. And three, I might have done it the wrong order, I can't remember. Will I use it? Will I use it? I think it's actually one, do I like it? Two, will I use it? Three, can I afford it? There you go. And because if I don't want it, you know, collecting dust, I want it to be something that I'm going to use. And then having created context, as John Berghoff liked to say, now you have your context. He would flip the context, flip the switch. Where's Mark Lovis when you need him? He then would say, so Mrs. Jones, do you like you know, this set? Do you, is this a good set for you? Do you like it? Yes. Or if not, then you have the objection and then you work with it, right? Pieces, probably whatever it is, right? Sets, whatever. Two. And if you had this set, Mrs. Jones, would you use it? Would you get, would you get good use out of it? Right. Yes. And can you afford it? Does, does it work for you? Can you do 250 a month over five months? You get the three yeses. You either get an objection or you get the three yeses. If you get the three yeah. yeses. So you, you see, Mrs. Jones, you really shouldn't deprive yourself of owning the world's finest. <laughs> and that was his thing. I think he might have done it slightly differently, but I learned that so early on. And the idea of it, and sometimes even the execution, sticks with me. To this day, it works. I love it. And Gino not only gave us that, but he truly did pave the way for the business that we have now with Cutco sales professionals doing this at a high level. And uh, it might be needless to say, but it's important to say that I think all of us, to a great extent, owe a lot to Gino Leocati. Yeah. Nice. That was great, JPB. I like it. So you had all these great influences on you. You have absolutely gone above and beyond in paying that forward 
by impacting so many other people. What is it that inspired you to want to mentor and guide other reps? Well, I'll tell you, it predates Vector for me. It predates Cutco. It's very interesting to think about education. And I think about education a lot. And we work with a lot of college students and they have different experiences of education. Some people, they love their education. They love what they're doing. They get so much out of it. And I also know other representatives who, when they're in school, that's part of what they love about selling Cutco is they, it's not school and it's something that's meaningful and then their education isn't, or that part of their education isn't meaningful. And I really, really like things to be meaningful and fulfilling. And so when I was a kid, a lot of my early education was not what I wanted. It was challenging. It was difficult. And at the same time, there were some teachers who made it great. And, and those teachers, right, they make their mark and we're, all, we're always shaped by those wonderful people. So I came to Vector with this philosophy that I want to be fully used up when I die. So I was hurt by not being or feeling supported by the educational system. But then that became what I hope is a strength, which is that I can help support other people. I mm. can be there for people in a way that maybe as well-intentioned as my parents were amazing were, they couldn't be there for me in the way that they wanted to be even. But I can strive to do that for other people. So now that's my superpower. That's the alchemy of life is you take the good things and you make them great and the great things and you make them better. And you take the bad things and the pain and you, with love and caring and energy and drive, you make that the best thing. You make that great and you make that beautiful. So I came in as an artist who knows that you spin your pain into what's beautiful. And you spin the challenges into helping other people so that they can have different challenges, let's say. More exciting, better challenges and problems. So that's how I did it. That's how I've always felt. And so then I came here. So many people poured themselves into me. I got so much love and so much care and, and you know, from so many different people all across the community that we're a part of. And then that's what life is about. Life is about making a difference. Life is about making things better. And the starfish story and all of that stuff. I heard that. I believe that. It resonated with me. So I think as much as I was looking for something to help pay my bills and, and not you know ask my parents for money and things like that when I started, I was looking for a starfish. Yeah. And wow. I was looking for a starfish where I could be the starfish and make a difference for myself. And then a starfish, I can make a difference for that one too. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Or It does. And you've made such a difference for so many people. And I also know, knowing you, that you feel that the people you've mentored have made a difference in your life and have touched you. And I want to ask you, JPB, about Kip. For anyone who is maybe not closely tied into the vector 
community, JPB and I are recording this episode on the day after Kip Bangira died in a tragic accident. And Kip is somebody who, when we talk about people who are beloved all across the company, certainly fits that description as well. And you've influenced him profoundly for a number of years now. And what would you like to say about Kip to our audience today? Sure. This is sad. For those of you who don't know Kip, Kip was the child of immigrants. His parents are from Kenya. His family's from Kenya. He has that very much as a background, as part of his history and heritage. He was born with, uh, I believe it's called osteogenesis imperfecta, something like that. I hope I got it right. But basically, he, has, he had uh, very brittle bones. And so he said, uh, you know, when he uh, was born, it was like a bag of potato chips popping because he was born with broken bones. And I met him at a, at a conference. And he was a, a young man wheeling around very fast. And uh, we got to talking and he was very curious. Anybody who's ever spoken with Kip, it's a lot of questions. And for those of you who are uh, familiar with CVI, Kip is a unique person and vector. Very few people have his CVI, which was a banker innovator. And that is not common in vector, which means for those of you who don't know, he's, he really prized in that model, he prized knowledge and information and wisdom. And he was always seeking those things out. So with what we do, especially when you're starting, you're, you're going into people's homes and doing a presentation and all of those things. And here is somebody who's on the surface, right? This goes back on the surface, superficially, right? Has a lot of disadvantages. Because how does he even get in some people's homes? He couldn't. When he started, he was rolling around in his motorized wheelchair and he would have to explain to people who didn't have wheelchair accessible homes that he was going to have to crawl and go through that and, and to get to their table because he, he crawled very well. I saw him many times crawl up and down stairs and get around and he was very, very good at it. He had to be. So here is somebody who really is unstoppable, completely unstoppable and who against what seem like difficult odds uses his, his heart and his energy and his determination and his extraordinary abilities to be ex very, very successful. So in working with him, what I can say about him is, of course, he was inspiring because it's kind of like, well, what's my excuse that, I can, <laughs> that I'm having trouble today? Exactly. Right? The year he won the Silver Cup, he injured himself, uh, I think, right before the beginning of the year. In his first three months, he was nursing broken bones. And that was the year he won the Silver Cup. And up until uh, December, he was, still wasn't number one in that race. He overtook in the last three, I think, three weeks of the year, and he won the Silver Cup. Yeah. Never give in. Never give up. And work hard and care about what you're doing. That's who he was. And have a great time. He was one of the most fun, joyful people you've ever met. Yeah. I could see, JPB, your face light up as you were describing Kip. And, you know, anybody who's listening to this on audio won't have a chance to see that benefit. But I could just see, and I could see a little bit of one of his facial expressions that he has, where he has this, like, smile that he 
he lets out with his eyes kind of looking up. And I could see that in you as you were describing him. And of course, uh, Kip is a Hall of Fame sales rep in Cutco and Silver Cup champion, as you mentioned, and definitely somebody who'll be remembered. And I hope that we have uh, an opportunity to to share more about Kip as well uh, at another time. But uh, it's just so cool to hear the circle of your entire career, right? Of uh, From the interesting week in which you started in this world, in this job, I guess, interesting week in the world that that was when you started to all of the people that have impacted you and to all the people that you have now impacted and all the accomplishments along the way. It's been, uh, it's been an awesome ride for you. I want to hear about your aspirations with music, JPB. Thank you so much for asking, Dan. I really appreciate it. So in 2022, I will be coming out with a music series. And it's going to be on all platforms, but primarily on YouTube. But it will be on all of them. And it is called The Meaning of Music. And uh, you'll be hearing about it. Every week, I will look at a song. It might be a pop song, might be a rock song, might be a rap song, might be a standard. But every week, I will look at a song and quickly and hopefully uh, cleanly and interestingly and enjoyably talk about that song. What is this song about? So that is something that I uh, am very excited about. So that's one project. I also will continue to uh, perform. I've been doing a lot of virtual performing, but I will be doing some real live performing too. And uh, recording. I'm a songwriter by nature. So whether I have something about to come out or not, I am pretty consistently writing and, and creating. Again, that's that, that alchemy. You take what's in your life and you, you make something out of it. So I will be in 2022 releasing new music as well. So I'd say uh, those are really the three things, the meaning of music, performing, gigging, as we say, and uh, releasing new music a little bit later in, uh, in 2022. So that's my plan. And I know you'll ask, so I might as well just say, yes, please do follow me. Check out what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> musicbyjpb.com and Instagram is musicbyjpb. And most other things are music by JPB. And YouTube, I think, is actually just my full name, Jeffrey Paul Bobrick. You can find me there too. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, hey, just to wrap things up here, what else is inspiring in your life right now? Well, I will say I've already done well in Vector, so I don't think I'm kissing up too much, but I love that you're doing this, Dan. I really do. I think we all do. And we all appreciate what you're doing for a community of, of people and, and a greater community of people. That does inspire me. And I'm excited to be here. Right now, I would say being a good son has been really important to me, especially the last two years. For those of you who know me, you know that my dad had a number of health issues in the last couple of years of his life. And I, again, this is the vector opportunity too. I was able to take time off. I was able to have a flexible schedule. I was able to have income coming in right. while being there for him, being there for him in the hospital, being there for him in rehab, being there for him and being a good son to my great father. He passed away last year. My mom's had uh, a number of injuries and so on. But what inspires me is my mom. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's another one, right? To know her is to love her. And I'm so fortunate to know her and love her. 
we spoke about Kip. And when I found out what had happened, I was home and I live very close to my mom so that I can jet there whenever I need to. And I thought to myself, I go see your mom. <laughs> like, I was like, go see your mom. It was somewhat late. But I said, go see your mom. You're, you know, get some comfort from your mom. She's your mom. <laughs> and it seemed like such a silly thing, but you know, you think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and I'm a man and all of these things, right? And it's like, no, go, go see your mom. Your friend, your friend died. Go see your mom. And I went to go see my mom and my mom was so happy to be my mom, meaning to be a mom and be there and say, you know, I'm so sorry and hold my hand and give me a hug. And I'm always inspired by love and goodness. I always am. And so there's that cliche, you know, you'll find whatever you're looking for. I find a lot of that and I'm looking for it. And I find it in Vector. I find it outside of Vector. And I find it in the love and caring of my mom. And I hope that she can find some of that in me too. Truly inspiring, JPB. You've got an amazing life. You're taking care of your mom a lot. You're selling some Cutco. You're writing music and performing, creating this uh, YouTube channel, what you're going to share all the content on, living in New York City right there by Central Park, living the dream. And this has been a really great conversation. I very much appreciate having you on the podcast, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. I, I really appreciate it too. APB, everyone. What a story that was. Wow. Just a cool example of somebody who found that the Cutco opportunity fit into his life, served his life so that he could serve it and others uh, through this opportunity. And he, of course, helped the business to grow and improve in so many ways as somebody who brought ideas and discussion and innovation to the business, influenced by many great leaders that he mentioned and many more that we didn't get to, but then also has influenced so many other great people and truly left his mark on the Cutco Vector business. I'm sure you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. In lieu of the standard outro that ends our podcast episodes. We are going to end this one instead with a song from JPB. This is called When You Are Free. Love thy neighbor as thyself has to be your most violated commandment. And I know how you need love. For so long While you did what others needed from you Now you've left what once was yours When the pressures lift around you And you're all alone You can finally find a way When some mercy comes upon you your pain is flown I hope you'll hear me when I say when you are free 
you 